Welcome to the Kettle Call Podcast. Uh, today we are starting another quizzing, so let me go ahead and call Brooke. Hello, Brooke. Hi, Pedro. How are you? Pretty good. How are you doing? Doing great, thanks. Hello, Dr. Zing. Hello, Pedro and Brooke. How are you doing? Doing great. Thank you. Great. So, Brooke, what is the question that we have to Dr. Zing today? Today, our question has to do with lysine supplementation. So, could you just talk a little bit about lysine requirements for feedlot cattle and then methods of supplementation? Sure. The <clears throat> Probably, um, you're aware that that the the NRC 2016 it dropped um, the amino acid metabolizable amino acid section that NRC 2000 put in, and and that was unfortunate. I think the the problem is that you know most of the cattle on feed are are either light or heavy yearlings. And so, um, you know, maybe it's, they didn't see the this important surge in calf feds that we see today. But uh, so when you're talking about a calf fed, then uh, metabolizable amino acid requirements become very important. It's interesting that, that actually... Uh, both methionine and lysine are often co-limiting amino acids. And, and the reason for that is that most feedstuffs are either a very poor source of methionine or a very poor source of lysine. And so it's very difficult to find a supplemental protein source that would meet, that would balance both methionine and lysine at the same time. The, Having said that, then the the what's interesting is that actually all through the whole growing and finishing period for all cattle, the requirement metabolizable amino acid requirement for lysine and methionine it pretty much stays the same. In other words, once cattle are on feed, so that they're growing according to their genetic potential, the requirement for lysine, whether they're a calf or a, a long yearling is about 40 grams a day. And the requirement for methionine is about 12 and a half grams a day. So this is metabolizable now. So the, uh, and that's important because then you can see that you could actually, you know, balance um, formulation to meet that and forget about crude protein or or metabolizable protein requirements for both calves and yearlings. The um, now, but the problem is that, uh, and now we're talking about lysine in particular. The problem is that lysine has two amine groups on it, and and uh, and so is very very susceptible to uh, damage, uh, especially from heat. So that. Uh, for example, distiller's grains, uh, the lysine content of distiller's grains is quite variable. In fact, most of the distiller's grains that we get here at the research center, they're about 30% or 40% higher in lysine than the standard shown by the NRC. So uh, 
but this this can vary depending on uh, the source and also the amount of uh, solubles that are added back to the protein. But during the drying process, who knows what's happening to the lysine. So we might have an analysis that shows a lysine content, but we're not sure how much of that lysine is actually available because of what's called the Millard-Browning reaction, where the uh, you have a glycosylation of, of, uh, of amino acids, susceptible amino acids, particularly lysine is one of the most notably susceptible amino acids to that reaction. And when temperatures get to about 140 degrees or higher, then we're starting to see that browning reaction. And, and so, you know, the color of the uh, distillers grains, for example, can be very important in terms of how that material was dried. But this would be true for other sources where the material was uh, high moisture and was dried back. So uh, because uh, a lot of people nowadays when they're formulating are using distillers grains, they can bring that protein level of the diet up fairly high, but they will never meet the lysine requirements or be unlikely to meet the lysine requirements because of what I'm saying. It's very difficult to, to expect that that would be achievable. So so this this makes for a, a very difficult situation. It turns out the soybean milk is very high in lysine, and uh, but is very rather low in methionine. So it's not uh, you, you're going to run into a problem. You can put as much soybean milk as you want in the diet, but you're never going to meet, or it'll be very difficult to meet the methionine requirement with uh, just soybean. And during the early phase, when the animals aren't eating that much feed, so. Uh, meeting lysine requirements uh, is very difficult. And and so you can buy protected amino acids. And, and of course, that's a method of bringing the lysine as well as the methionine up to an acceptable level. And, and that's an approach. The, uh, <clears throat> there's still some uncertainty about the actual ruminal escape value of these protected amino acids. And so we have to be really careful in, in trying to determine if those, uh, if we're accomplishing that. Another, uh, of course, natural sources of that are very high would be blood mill. Blood mill is just extremely high in lysine. The, uh, and it has a very high bypass value, but but again, because of the way it's dried down and everything else, the availability of the lysine and blood milk can be very low. And, uh, and so particularly if it's flash dried or, you know, some of the older processes. Uh, and then, of course, the best source would be uh, fish mill. But fish mill is, has become very, very expensive. So... Uh, so that's a, that's going to be a challenge. So really, the only really practical way to meet the requirement for lysine during the early phase would be some form of a protected amino acid. This would be the the most likely way of of meeting that requirement. But but having said that, you know you could uh, you could do blends. You know uh, that would be a a blend of 
let's say, uh, distillers grains, which are an excellent source of methionine. And, uh, and then with some hydrolyzed blood mill or something like that, which is available in the market. And, and that would be another way of bringing it up besides using strictly a protected amino acid. Another thing would be some form of protected soybean mill, which would of course bring the lysine way up. No, that's, that's great. Uh, well, I think uh, yeah, I have the question about the DGs. We've talked about these and, and the variation. I think you covered that uh, pretty well. One one question that I have, Dr. Zin, is in, in regards to probably like blood or fish meal, besides the price, and I've, we probably could record just one episode just about talking about blood and fish meal, but besides besides price, what, like what are the main considerations that you see when we include that in, in, uh, in the diets? Yeah, that's a good question. The uh, In the case of fish meal, uh, it's not very palatable. So you can't really go above 4% fish meal without affecting feed intake. And uh, and so you're going to have to, of course, limit. Uh, there's a there's an upper limit on how much fish meal can be added to the diet. In case of blood meal, really, uh, it's it's very palatable. It's not really much of a of a problem with blood meal. The, again, like I said, you just need to be very careful on the source of the blood meal so that uh, the avail- you, you know, how it's dried down is going to be uh, very, very important. Perfect. Uh, one, one other question, uh, and, and you've done many studies on that, is if, 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 I, if I'm going to meet or add something, is there a certain period that you recommend, like going up to 112 days, we've done like 168 days, or probably like we should be talking about kilos. Like- if we're talking, if we're talking about calf feds, uh, and and these calves are going to come in nowadays. It, maybe they're coming in a little bit heavier. All right, but let's say they're coming into the feedlot between 300 and 400 pounds, and uh, and actually uh, they have a at this stage in their growth, they have a, a tremendous growth potential. And, uh, and so, uh, but their energy, you know, we're, we're feeding them a very high energy dense diet in order for them to achieve that potential. But we're also um, in, in the process of carrying them up. We're also having to, we run into a, a weight, where the animal's energy intake now is so great uh, that, you know, because of the maintenance requirement, everything going up as it, as the animal gets heavier, that really uh, the possibility for a limitation would be zero. So we're going to say, I'm going to say that, that probably up until the animal reaches around 700, 750 pounds, um, they will they will benefit up to about that level. After that, there's you know there's no way. So uh, generally, what we do is uh, we take them for 112 from 300 pounds uh, in 112 days. They're going to reach around 680 to 700 pounds, and so um, you know that's the basis for the 112 day thing. And and actually, uh, it 
that response that we get during that period will usually carry through the whole feeding period. So it is a very beneficial thing uh, to try to, you know, work towards getting that kind of a response. Great, great. Do you have any any final question, Brooke? No, all my questions got answered. Okay. Any any final comments, Dr. Zing? Are we okay? No, I think that it's a simple, rel- relatively straightforward topic. Yeah, it's, it's another thing, though. I might add, I might add that that um, with flake corn, mm-hmm. uh, microbial efficiency is going to be much greater. We're going to have much more microbial protein, and microbial protein is a good source of methionine and lysine. So um, the extent, the amount of uh, the the of, the type of fermentation will also impact. And, and so whatever we do to maximize microbial synthesis will also play a role. And, and so we're going to see, let's say, a better response uh, with flake corn than with ground corn or, or crack corn. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. Oh, that's great. So, yeah, thank you very much, Dr. Zin. Thank you, Brooke. Uh, for those of you who are listening to us and want to receive this, uh, the transcription of, of this episode, you can subscribe to our monthly newsletter. Uh, the link is in the description of the episode. If you have questions, comments, please send, send an email to kettlecallucd at gmail.com. Uh, and remember, it's always a good time for a kettle call. Whisper.